So this week, me and the Foundation for Change team take a deep dive into the world of systems thinking. We wanted to introduce a topic that explains the approach we take to education at Foundation for Change, something that encapsulates why we cover the topics we do and why we cover them in such an interconnected, integrated way. You might be someone who already thinks systemically but didn't realise you did and you didn't realise there's a word for it. Or you might be someone from this way of thinking is completely new. Either way, we hope you get a lot out of this introduction to systems thinking, particularly as it lays the ground for our little mini series on systems thinking that follows this episode. Enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to our 14th episode of the Making Sense of podcast. A um, bit of a smaller crowd here today. We're joined by Liz, Antonia and Bex. Do you want to say hi? Hello everyone. Hello, hello. So we'll talk over each other. Hello. Woo! Antonia, you were drowned out. Oh, hello. There you are. So we wanted to do an episode which um, makes sense of what we do and makes sense of why we teach the things that we teach and why we go through the things that we go through. And I guess, you know, now 14 episodes into this podcast, um, hopefully listeners, if you've listened to a lot of the podcasts, you're, you're getting a bit of a sense of us looking at different topics, exploring different topics, but also looking at the connections between those topics. And that in a way is really relevant to what we're discussing today. Um, so we're looking at something called systemic thinking or systems thinking. Um, just before we go into that, I'm just curious, what, what comes up for you when you hear those words? Oh, I think of businesses, I think of systems. I feel like it's a big operating system or something. Um, um, and thinking is obviously what goes on in your head, but I always think systemic is one of those really cold industrial words, which like, pff, not really too sure, you know? Mm. What is it? You'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I, th I kind of agree with that. I think there's just a very kind of initial response, a connotation, which, you know, reminds me of, of, of kind of, oppressive systems of systems that monitor you for systems like like you know the sort of un unemployment benefit or something you know you like being lost in a system or being being overlooked in a system um i think that, that that's my I mean, kind of my initial my initial kind of emotional response to that word okay um systems kind of reminds me of like an engine so all the little bits working individually okay. to make a big thing which is essentially what systems thinking is <laughs> okay. so, so yeah you win points um so system thinking <laughs> is in a way i mean you know in a way like let's keep it really simple so like a car is a system so a car is made of lots of individual components that all work together and get you from a to b yeah, really good kind of basic example of a system. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, like, like I said, we'll talk about what systemic thinking is and what systems thinking is, but I wanted to spend just a couple of minutes trying to get the, the, the wording, like go over the wording. Because for me, I remember like years ago when I used to hear the word systemic thinking, I used to always think people were making a mistake. It was so arrogant. I used to think they were the ones making a mistake. I just thought that they were supposed to be saying like systematic. And they were saying it wrong. And I was just like, why, why are they not saying this? Because I've never heard of systemic before. So yeah. I think, that, you know, I think like it's just worth kind of spending a bit of time to look at okay, what do these things mean? So we'll go through what, what a system is. 
um, under this definition. Um, I guess though there's a kind of interchangeableness word that doesn't exist um, to some of these terms. So you've got systems thinking, you've got systemic thinking, and I mean, this sounds obvious, but this is something that people might have heard before, which is sometimes people say like, oh, well, what if we think about this systemically? Syst syst oh, mouthful. Systemically is also another way to, to kind of describe this way of looking at the world. Yeah, yeah, it does. I hear thinking systemically an awful lot. Um, okay. Yeah, and yeah, it's kind of like, what exactly you know, does that mean? Uh, I've got to put my systemic thinking hat on quickly. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of glad we're like drilling into that a little bit. Where do you hear that word an awful lot? Do you know what? I think I just hear it on TV, on the news. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You hear it so much where people, uh, you know, you've got kind of like the talking heads on the news and they're like, well, we need to think about this systemically, don't we? Mm -hmm. And nothing's ever offered as an explanation to what that is. It mm -hmm. feels like it's a soundbite. Um, and it's one of those words, um, you know, systemic thinking. It can sound awfully poncy, but I think it has great meaning behind it. You know what I mean? It's actually quite simple. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's just my little brain fart dump there for you. Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense. I think it's also one of those words which is really alienating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you don't understand, you know, if you don't understand that word, then the rest of what follows after it, you're not going to follow that. Um, okay, so so what is a system? So systems thinking is obviously about looking at systems, but I guess it's worth having an understanding or, or looking first at what system, what constitutes the system. Um, and so, you know, a car, like we said, is a, is a good example of that. So you have all these kind of different individual pieces and they they are part of this bigger whole and all of the different parts of that whole are interconnected. Does that make sense? So you have kind of like different components and then you have, so they're the kind of elements of the system and then there are relationships between each of those elements, which is something I always think of it like a bit of a spider's web. So you can have all of these kind of separate components that exist separately, but as soon as you start to look at the kind of the webbing that links all of them, you have this kind of spider's web, you have this, this system. It's a bit like um, Antonio's um, analogy with the car. It's like, you know, you have all the different components that make the car work, but the car is the overall thing really, isn't it? Which is the relationship that all those components have to it. Totally, yeah. And I guess uh, I'm sticking with the car analogy. Um, you know, if the thing about systems is that something which, um, if there is something which affects one part of that system, it will have an impact on the diff generally the whole system. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know enough about the mechanics of cars. I was just thinking, like, shit, <laughs> what if there's that shit that can happen in the car? That I mean, you know, if the radio breaks, you can still drive the car. But, you know, if um, I'm not even going to try because I just <laughs> make a fool of myself, <laughs> don't know enough about cars. But do you see what I mean? So, if, you know, if, if there's if, if a tire, if there's a, it's a puncture or something, like, you're not going to be able to drive. That affects yeah. the kind of the functioning of the system. So I always do that. I always end up either kind of like talking about like football, even though I know fuck all about football or just like. <laughs> <laughs> We're all listening, Bob. We're all I know, listening. intently. Um, so we've got an, an example of a system. Um, that's one. So the car, we're going to stick with that in a, uh, for a second. I guess it's worth also looking at what are some of the characteristics of systems. Um, you know, a bunch of these are going to be on the handout, but the, one of the first characteristics of a system is that they're highly ordered. 
there is a there is an order to them and it kind of does get complicated because the more you look into it they also say that the um, systems can also be chaotic at the same time okay um like i said before with the car thing so uh, different parts of the system are influenced you know they influence each other so they're all interrelated or interconnected or whatever word you want to use they are self-sustaining um, I don't want to spend too much time about this now, but we'll talk about this a bit more later on. Um, something also that's interesting about systems is that they want to protect themselves. Mm. Okay. And I always think it's really interesting because it sounds like when you say stuff like that, it sounds like there is a kind of consciousness behind the system or like a person, like kind of at some kind of control panel that's trying to kind of, you know, steer this, this thing. Um, but, and again, we'll, we'll kind of touch on this later, but just kind of like make a bit of a mental note or just kind of pin that somewhere in your brain that systems want to protect themselves. They want to kind of maintain balance. Um, they have a purpose. So, you know, purpose of a car is like I said before, is to get you from A to B. You know, they serve a function. So that function is the thing which unifies them in that system. Um, and I guess the final thing to say about systems is that they nest. And what nesting means is that a system can exist within a system, which can exist within a system. And yeah, so you have this kind of, um, like almost like a Russian doll. Okay. Yeah. So, so a really good example, another example, I'm not gonna go with a car now. So a good example of a system is a family, like a family unit, okay? So you could just think about the family unit as just being like mum, dad, if that's who the parents are, and two kids, very nuclear family. Okay, so within that system, there's going to be a particular culture that exists, particular kind of norms that exist with that, within that particular unit. They will exist within this kind of wider system of a family. Okay, if you have a kind of big family, so for instance, my mum's got like five brothers and sisters, I've got 16 cousins, so we're a small family unit that exists within this kind of bigger unit of the family. So, so one is nesting in the other one. And then you know, you, you can think about, okay, well, what is, you know, this family is kind of sitting within, I don't know, like a city, and the city is sitting within a country, and this country is sitting within, you know, a continent, and this continent is existing, and is part of the planet, and this planet is part of the ultimate system, which is the cosmos. Wowzers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit like, I don't know what a good example is, like, having not a telescope, but having like a camera, which has got some kind of crazy like telephoto zoom thing going on. And it's like set at the highest kind of zoom or like a microscope is a good example. And then you're just kind of like stepping back and zooming out and zooming out and zooming out. So every time you zoom out, you see more and more and more of the picture. Whereas before you're just seeing a really tiny aspect. Is that all making sense so far? Yeah. Okay. Can you think of some other examples of systems? I don't know why I want to say the legal system. I think that's just because I hear that on telly or something quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Just get caught up in the legal systems. You get stuck in it. If you do one thing wrong, you get stuck in that system. Mm -hmm. what, why do you think that's considered a system? Because it has different parts to it. So say you commit a crime, like you steal something. That's the beginning of you going into that system. And then there's a bunch of stuff in that system which has to deal with different parts of your crime. Yeah. I don't know where to go after that. 
It's a good start. <laughs> well, you know, there's this there's a sense of that laws, you know, that exist that are kind of defined by the country and, and the history of that kind of legal profession. There are norms and regulations in terms of getting into that profession. So there's this whole kind of system which is all very connected to itself. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose it, it's relatively similar to um, Antonia's, though you can't really see it, um, is like the economy. Um, so financial um, uh, economy that we exist in. Um, and gods, if you have to think about what are the components of the economy? Well, you know, it's, um, you know, banks and laws and stock trading and brokering and, you know, all of this other crazy crap that I, you know, um, don't know about. But it, it, it exists kind of like in this finely sort of randomly tuned machine. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that was, yeah, my example. System possibly. Yeah. That's also a really good example. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, you have the pound and you have the strength of the pound in relation to other currencies, mm. and then Brexit happened, and you know, yeah. some, something else which is kind of like connected to the system um, somewhere else happened and had an influence on the strength of the pound. I see, because that's it. That's the different components sort of kind of working in their own little bubble, but the relationship is, you know. The world and kind of like you know capitalism and everything like that yeah. um so one that's the biggie system yeah oh yes roll in and all and you know that the legal system or the criminal justice system and the economic system are, are more closely entwined than might seem at first apparent because they're all operating within this very big system of capitalism which is you know it's not it's not a, a term that needs to have either a sense of it being a good thing or a bad thing it's just a thing mm -hmm. it's just a system that we're in and you know people have opinions about whether it's a good or a bad thing but I think the idea of today's program is to to program there we go get us uh, with our new television station we'll get there one day. Um, but our, you know the idea of this podcast is to sort of take some of the heat out of, of, of the way we look at things often and, and to just see it as a system that has its own rules and it has its own winners and it has its own losers. And when you're talking about economy as the sort of system, Bex, you know, poverty is part of that, making that system function. Poverty is not inevitable. It's just part of a kind of way of making that system work. Um, so like there are systems, oh God, we're trying to keep this simple, weren't we? But there are, you know, there are, there are systems operating within bigger systems and, you know, like, Bob's, you know, um, Russian doll kind of example. Mm. You know, I guess the biggest system we're in is a capital capitalist way of living. And yeah, that just kind of is. And the systems within that will tend to kind of operate um, in relationship to that uh, as effectively as they can. Yeah, and, and it's a good example of like, you know, we are nesting as individuals or like, you know, families or whatever as part of, you know, sitting under the system of capitalism. Mm. And capitalism, if you want to just keep kind of like zooming out with this lens, sits under this, you know, the global ecosystem. Mm. So you think about climate change, you think about all of that stuff. And again, they're very interconnected, but it's, it's you know, sitting under that. Mm -hmm. I, quite, I kind of quite like just this idea of keeping on zooming out because then, 
we have the planets and the, you know, Earth is part of the solar system, you know, so we're all affected, we're all sitting in these systems and they have, again, solar system. Um, but anyway, yeah, sorry, don't wanna to get too carried away. Got a big zoom on my camera. Um, so I, I think sometimes it's useful when you're encountering like a new term. I think sometimes a good way to understand it is not just by looking at the kind of meanings of words and definitions of stuff, but also by looking at the opposite to that thing. Does anyone know what the opposite to systemic thinking is? Major brownie points if you do. Is it, so systemic thinking is kind of components. Would it be something like thinking linear? So you're thinking in, you know, uh, kind of, you know, one direction. So it's just kind of like one way, you know, cause and effect. Bingo. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, so linear thinking is kind of, you know, one direction, you know, kind of cause and effect thinking. So, you know, systemic thinking looks at kind of like lots of things, lots of variables and how they interact with each other. Linear is kind of like very simplistic and very reductive. It's another one of those words, which, you know, I remember kind of when I was younger, like hearing it all the time and never really understood what it meant. But reducting is just reducing things to their kind of very basic and simple components, which sometimes are useful. Like if you're baking bread, like you just want to just have a kind of basic understanding of the process. Um, but obviously when there's kind of more important things at stake, then you need a much more kind of sophisticated way of looking at it. Um, anyway, an example of cause and effect thinking is, I mean, essentially, just before I say that, I think it's it's worth understanding that when people think in a linear way, it's very much like one cause has one effect. Mm. Okay, so it's that kind of linear thing. It's like super simplistic. So an example of this is you've got like a farmer, and you know this farmer wants to try and kill slugs on his cabbage um, crop. So thinks that he's going to use pesticides, and you know, like the pesticides basically going to like kill these slugs, and they do what he's not taking into account is the fact that you know these pesticides are then going to seep into the ground going to get into people's water supplies um you know the pesticides on the foods are going to go into people's bodies that might affect their health if their health is affected it might affect the you know the healthcare system and kind of like put a bit of an extra strain on the healthcare system so you know he's thinking just in this kind of very like small reductive simplistic way that he just wants to kill his slugs but when you look at it in a very kind of systemic way, you see this kind of much bigger picture of how these different aspects are connected. Because, mm. you know, it's like, you know, it's a field that's part of the world. It's not just this field that exists on this kind of separate planet that doesn't have any connection to the things around it. Oh, maybe, you know, I was just thinking about this. I, don't, I, don't, I wonder if this is the right example, but there was something on the, the news the other day, which... Yeah, I just found really simplistic, just in terms of kind of like, I think, you know, describing linear thinking. So, you know, you have Marcus Rushford, uh, the footballer who is campaigning for kind of like children to be fed, you know, and have nutritious meals, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he's been like really successful. It's like been quite an amazing bit of activism he's done. But I remember in Parliament when they first turned it down um, and they were just like, you know, no, you know, basically parents need to take responsibility. So what we're doing is we're giving parents more money over the COVID thing. They just need to take responsibility. And so I, do you know what I remember thinking then was like, there's something really wrong about this. Because what you're basically saying is basically parents just need to 
be able to find the extra money to feed their kids instead of seeing the actual bigger picture. Totally. Um, yeah, sorry, that just completely sprung up in Absolutely. my head. Absolutely, no, it's a really good example. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like that, you know, that's weird. It, it was it's really kind of like almost um, kind of small thinking for a politician to say that because, you know, you go into politics to think about kind of all the, you know, different things that can affect a parent being able to provide a healthy, nutritious for their a nutritious meal for their child. It was you'd just hope, you'd hope that politicians do that. Well, yes, don't we all? Yes, we do hope that. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, that's a really good example. Another really classic example is drug addiction. Mm. So, what? How? If you were thinking of that in a linear way, what would the kind of cause and effect argument be? Could be something like someone goes to a party, takes a drug, which is addictive. Then they need more of it, and then they become addicted to drugs, and then everything falls apart. So the only thing to fix that is to get them off drugs. Exactly. Yeah. So it's very simple. Like, I mean, honestly, the number of times I've spoken to people outside of like work who hear about what I do, and then they just kind of say, "But like, oh, but I thought, you know, like it's because they take heroin, and heroin's really addictive. You only have to take it once, and you become an addict." And so for a lot of people, it's just this idea of like, the drug is addictive, you take this thing, suddenly you're addicted to this thing and you need to just be taking it all the bloody time. Um, and because the problem is the addictive drug, the solution is just stopping it, stopping taking it. Like the drug is just the problem. It's just the drug, it's nothing else. Um, yeah. yeah, right. When actually there's a little bit more to it than you know quite, quite a lot more to it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite. um okay so thinking of it systemically um and you know it would it would take into account um a lot more than the individual and um they're 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 i mean you know that it gets complicated because the, the, the also kind of brings in a moral kind of argument about like it, well the individual chose to take those drugs therefore it's personal responsibility so therefore what happened to them is you know entirely around them and their choices whereas if you look at that person systemically you kind of look at their family very much I mean like that would be the first place you'd start but it wouldn't even be just with family it would you know broaden out from that to, to be kind of cultural um and economic and just you know a very kind of basic even looking at environmental issues like where's a person living what's their education and we touched upon this with the second core beliefs uh, podcast we did when when we talked about kind of um some psychologists you know we're not saying it's your individual core beliefs that that's to play here it's it's the the lot the, the bigger core beliefs that you can hold about yourself and your life that are very much around what, what you know where you're where you're born and what your environment is growing up but sort of beyond that it's not just the family you know I mean I know that systemic kind of um, therapeutic work started with families but you know quite rightly it kind of extends much more beyond that um, so with addiction I think it's really uh, it could be a really tricky one because for lots of families they get they would feel quite I think it's fair to say that 
families could feel quite hostile. Say if you were a therapist and you sort of asked, started asking questions about the family, the family would get quite hostile about that accusation that they were somehow to blame for what had happened to little Johnny or little Mary or something, you know. So there's a lot, there can be lots of kind of hostile responses to thinking about addiction in this bigger way. Yeah, totally. And we're going to look at that as well a bit later on. But I think like that's really important to say because I think it connects to what I was saying earlier about like systems trying to protect themselves. Yeah, sure. The families yeah. are such a classic example of just like brush everything under this bloody carpet because it keeps the status quo. It kind of keeps things as they are. Yeah. And that doesn't kind of mean so like it's it, that means like, oh, let's just keep things happy. It's not even about that. It's like, let's not allow these things to come to the surface to disrupt yeah the system yeah um oh, and what you know kind of earlier when people were talking i think when we were talking about what's the opposite to systems think thinking you know one of the real enemies of systemic thinking if you like is common sense people go well it's common sense that that's the case and you know common sense to who um because often they're, they're just like ideas that that's how it always is and it doesn't really challenge or, or look at that system you know the, the common sense is very much um around just keeping things as they are and i think you know one of the values of thinking systemically or using systems thinking is looking at things that might seem self so uh, obvious so it's obvious if somebody kind of becomes an alcoholic then they should just stop drinking and it's their fault but actually there's a lot more going on there and there's a lot you know the 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 the, the it, it's not just down to the individual to change their 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 way of um behaving that that you know that has a huge impact on the system they're in oh, yeah. systems and I also sort of think that when people say that, and I know what you mean, I've, I've heard that as well, it's, it's just common sense. I think also it can be a little bit of putting your fingers in your ears because actually looking at systems could sometimes be a little bit more like frightening almost because, you know, it's you're out of your safety box. Like there's something bigger out there, isn't there? I think a lot, you know, from 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 kind of working with people for, for lots of years now, I kind of see that what, what happens is that people very kind of genuinely and with, with real kind of, they put real effort into kind of getting into recovery or what whatever you want to call that, giving up, put a real effort into working on themselves. But the the, the, the pain they experience is that, is that the systems there aren't, they're in, don't respond to their changes. Mm. You know, so somebody who has been like the bad person in their family for so many years suddenly changes. The family doesn't particularly want to, you know, recalibrate or kind of restructure itself to for deal that person differently. And, you know, there's a lots of pain is caused in people because the, they're, they're kind of trying to fit into systems that are not not adapting to you know welcome them back in. So I think the, the addiction thing is really painful for people, actually. I think it's also really fascinating the lengths that families go to to, to maintain that status quo because it's not just simply like oh we're going to just not accept this person you're becoming they quite often actively try to bring that person down or, or actively try to bring that person back to the person they were comfortable knowing yeah because that that that's the system they're familiar with yeah. they don't want to recalibrate yeah no, no, no. I think, you know um and I think, you know, it, it causes people to feel extraordinarily lonely. Yeah. 
and isolated because they are, you know, you're out of systems. Find your freaks. It's a bit of a motto at FFC. Um, freaks men in a very complimentary way, you know, find people that are kind of similar to you to stop banging your head against a wall trying to fit in. Fit in, yeah. Um, I was just thinking as people were talking, I mean, you know, again, just talk about this linear thinking. There's an, it's linear thinking and it's also this reductive thinking that I was talking about. So just kind of brief pause on where we were at, but, but just kind of, it's worth kind of looking at a couple of other examples of a reductive um, perspective on addiction. So, so Liz has already touched on one, which is the moral perspective, like you're a bad person, therefore you became an addict. So again, that's really linear. It's just like bad person is the cause, effect is you became an addict. So another one is the medical model. So medical models sometimes will just look at like, well, your brain chemistry is messed up and therefore you take drugs to sort your brain chemistry out. So it's not taking into account the fact that, you know, maybe this person is taking drugs to bury these really strong emotions related to trauma. You know, it's only looking at kind of like one variable within this kind of, problem there's only looking at one aspect which is just your brain or what's happening in your brain it's not taking into account your emotions or your feelings or your kind of your psychology um and people who've done our courses before there's one model that we we tend to kind of teach on, on, on one of the days which is the biopsychosocial model which is a good example of it's not kind of fully comprehensive but it's it's saying rather than looking at something just biologically or just socially or just psychologically we understand that all of those three components have an impact on all of those three components work together so kind of an example of systemic thinking which some people actually may be familiar with um, but didn't know that it was it was an example of systemic thinking. There's something about that thinking systemically is a is a relatively new thing, right? In certain ways, and I'm sure there's some Buddhist quote about you know thinking about the whole and all this stuff. You know there is, but in terms of just thinking about how actually therapy or psychology works with people, that's relatively a new thing, even though the wisdom might be old, and actually you know i'm quite optimistic i think society is get, getting better at thinking um systemically because there's a greater understanding of kind of cultural um trauma and um that you know people have have with you know greater understanding of racism and what that means to people for generation and beyond generation. So it's going beyond this idea of the family. It's going beyond like, oh, you you know, you had a, you experienced a personal trauma and, and then you grew up in poverty. Oh yeah, no, you know, that, that explains why you've had, you know, drug addiction throughout your life. There's actually a bigger understanding of, of what kind of, you know, ingrained generational racism and an ingrained generational poverty, the impact that has on people individually, I think is getting more sophisticated and, and more nuanced. And so it might not be your trauma, it could be the trauma of your parents or of, of you know, which kind of, um, you know, racial kind of community you're part of, you know, because 
it really excites me when I listen to conversations about um, slavery, that people are connecting to those experiences and the impact they have, you know, a hundred years after. The, the common sense voice would go, oh, well, it's over now. The common sense voice is, the, is, the, is you know, what you see on Twitter with an England flag next to it, go and get over it. It happened a hundred years ago. That's the voice of common sense. But I think there's a bigger conversation going on where people are recognising the impact of stuff that happened over a hundred years ago, mm. you know, or 50 years ago, whatever that impact is. And that is a way that people are actually learning to think more systemically. And that's, and, and hopefully that, you know, the, the conversation about addiction is part of that greater understanding. This idea of a moral weakness was very much around, you know, uh, 150 years ago in Victorian times, you know, addiction alcoholism was there but it was thought of a weakness of personality you know a person you know you're just a weak-willed person and then you know the 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 advice would be that you needed to become more christian or you know be a better person um so you know ideas around addiction are changing and do change and at the moment i feel like the the conversations happening around racism will also bring about a different thinking around addiction I hope. I'm quite optimistic about those things. So my tuppence worth about addiction. Um, I think um, the conversations around it are going to be quite different in 50 years time. Well, I think your tuppence was also a really good example of, of the benefits of thinking systemically. Mm -hmm. You know, there's such major benefits. I mean, it sounds so obvious saying it, but it's just like, it's not something that we're generally conditioned to do. We're, you know, often conditioned to do the opposite. And I think there's something really liberating about seeing the, the bigger picture. And, and I think like a lot of the work that we do is very much about helping people see that bigger picture. And through that process, there's a lot of letting go of a lot of the shame that a lot of people have carried for a lot of their life because they've attributed their problems to just themselves. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's, I know it's my kind of real soapbox, but this idea of the way that people will attribute um, unfortunate or difficult experiences in their lives as to as to a personal weakness. Oh, it, you know, it's me, I should be better, and we need to be stronger. And actually, one of the aims I know of all the work we do is to help people see the other um, other elements and aspects and or the interconnectedness of those those experiences in, in their own individual experience. Ugh. Can you can you say something about um, the person who is the political? <laughs> Put me on the spot. in two sentences. Um, uh, um, it recognises that we are uh, living in a society, and and how we see ourselves, and how we understand that our our, our, our kind of that we are part of a system in a society. Um, and the the actions we take can be really powerful, and 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 can change um, change bigger things, which is also systems thinking about the kind of how small small kind of resistances or small actions can really lead to bigger changes. And it's not completely naive, like you know, oh yes, if I do this, the world's going to change. But it it's recognizing one's own part in that. And I know that one of the one of the models, if you like, um, that existed when when we were thinking about setting up our feminism for change course, was um, 
was in my early 20s I, I kind of encountered quite a lot of of women who were maybe 10 15 20 years older than me who'd been that kind of second wave of feminists in the UK and second and third wave feminists in the 70s and you know rather than kind of thinking well women need to be educated by sending them off to universities which is another system they kind of set up their own way of, of talking to each other and educating each other through having kind of just get togethers in somebody's kitchen and talking about feminism and women talking about, you know, real things that were happening in their lives, their relationships with their partners, you know, don't forget this might be like 1981 and gender relationships were quite different then. So women would get together and have this conversation about what was really happening in their lives and kind of get politicised through that conversation. So it wasn't like political in the system of like, um, you know, a parliamentary system it recognized the politics of, of everyday experience yeah and understand like having a greater understanding that you exist within a system and i guess when you you hear other people talking about their experience of living under the same system it's validating okay so i mean you know in a way we're we've been kind of singing the praises of this way of thinking so to me the question that begs to be answered is if thinking in this way reflects how things actually are, why don't we all think systemically? You know, I find this really interesting to think about because I was just thinking about um, education again, another system. I kind of like want people to listen to this podcast and go out there and be think, oh my God, that's a system. And then that's a system. And then have these kind of Philomena Kunk moments. What is systems? Um, my <laughs> joke. Um, but anyway, so I thought it was interesting because it feels like, you know, the majority of schools educate kids in a very particular way which is a very kind of linear way which and what I mean by that again is just like they you you study subjects that generally have two things no connection with each other and no or very little connection to the outside world um, I mean the second one's a bit of an overstatement but I think like if you think about school you know we study algebra and maths and then we study chemistry and then we study English and we study humanities or history and like all of these things are taught in these kind of very separate ways and so I think as a from a very young age we're thought to think in in kind of like the components of a system rather than like how these things all interact together so when you consider I mean like most kids are educated in this way so I was just thinking like okay what are the schools who you know are there schools that don't educate in this way and there are so a good example some of you may have heard of the Rudolf Steiner schools and I don't know huge amounts about their philosophy but I did a bit of basic kind of um, googling and so what I found was that the Steiner schools you know they're very kind of opposite in a sense so they provide a very useful like opposite example to this form of reductive education I was just talking about so what they tried to do is they tried to develop students artistic skills practice, practical skills intellectual skills and imaginative skills in this very integrated way and I really love that. I kind of really love the fact that they're trying to kind of like, you know, give kids this very integrated experience and a bit of a hijacked word, but this very kind of holistic experience rather than this very kind of, you know, separate experience. Well, some, going back to one of um, the very first podcasts we did on ego defense mechanisms, we were talking about Anna Freud, lovely Anna Freud. And, you know, she was very much involved in child education I was just I don't know whether she predates Steiner I mean she's mm -hmm. pretty early 
And they were just doing basic things like sort of saying they were working with um, like primary school children. And, you know, rather than having kind of set meal times, they, they were very much, uh, you know, Freud was very, Anna Freud, not Sigmund, Anna Freud was very much like, you know, letting children dictate when they eat and things like that. So, we, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we, I think one of the things about systems is we're trained to kind of be in systems from an early age and that that training, you know, good and bad systems, by the way. Um, but that training is, is so kind of part of us growing up that we don't see it. You know, so I think this whole thing about systems is being able to step out, meta, meta, thinking mm-hmm. meta, taking a kind of meta position and sort of looking at the systems you're in yeah. and recognizing them for such and you know systems are not you know like so yeah systems themselves per se are not bad often they're very useful but being able to see how they operate is the thing and question them you know it's that thing i'm always going on about you know things come without things go without saying because they come without saying yeah. if we're just born into systems you know it's just like what's there's some kind of analogy about like fish never questioning the sea that they're in because we all know that fish have brains and they can question things um <laughs> you know it's just like you know we, we don't kind of like question it because we're just born into it mm-hmm. so I think yeah we exist in systems that's inevitable but it's it's reflecting on those systems can you all think of other ways that we don't like reasons why people don't think systemically so education is one you know we're kind of conditioned from a young age to think in very like disconnected separate ways it can be overwhelming I think when you start feeling um looking at the looking at the bigger picture and looking at systems all of a sudden the blinkers are off it can feel awfully unsafe sometimes you know what Mm -hmm. I mean make you feel a bit like oh bloody hell there's a, a lot more going out there um on out there than you know I originally attended uh I originally thought sorry um and sometimes it feels quite nice to be cosseted and you know comfy and hopefully that's why people love being kind of you know joining tribes and things like that because they're, they're systems I was just thinking when Bob was talking earlier about having the big having a big telescope and um <laughs> and, <laughs> you know zooming out and seeing the universe um I was thinking it's like teenagers you know like when I was a sort of young teenager you know probably like 11 12 we said lie in my bed thinking but who am I in the world imagine this just this huge universe used to freak you know and I mean a lot the interesting thing about a lot of the thinking that goes on when we're teenagers is you know we're kind of in a growth spurt period about kind of uh, taking on our own you know identity and kind of moving away from a system a family system so it's a very interesting time but that that kind of but who am I the the world is so big used to just really freak me out and I just think I don't want to think about this anymore it's too exhausting you know just no it would it would confuse me um it's like being on psychedelic drugs or something all the time it's just exhausting um not that I'd know but there you go but, you know, I think that there's something called the least effort principle in psychology, which is saying that, you know, our brains have got so much information to deal with. You know, we have to choose, the, you know, the path of least resistance. We need to choose the kind of the easiest route just to kind of like make our brains the most efficient as possible. And, you know, for a lot of things that works, why, which is why I like, you know, driving a car back to the car. You know, if you had to think about every single goddamn step you had to do when you were driving, like it would just it, that would be exhausting. So it's nice to, have to drive and, you know, chat and text and put your makeup on and all that stuff um but I think there's just something about you know 
a lot of people, I don't want to say lazy, but you know, there's an, and there's an element of like, it takes energy to see the bigger picture. You know, it kind of takes energy to deal with that sense of zooming out and just thinking, fuck, there's so much going on here. Like, where do I even begin? That's really normal. I think it's a really normal step when you're first starting to think systemically, but it's, it takes energy to kind of like ride that step through. Do you see what I mean? Like most people want to just kind of go back to the nice kind of comfort, simplistic, simple life. You can't do it all the time either, can you? Think about everything all the time. You wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, you know, and again, is you know, Liz was saying about this kind of the big questions, the kind of the big existential questions, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people don't think about those things because they're just, they just fuck with your head. I, I had a bit of a kind of um, light bulb moment when I was doing this because I, I have this kind of pattern with my mum, like when we're talking about stuff, like it's not every single time we talk, but if we're talking about life or like her life or my life, you know, I'll start talking about things. And at some point she'll just start saying, you're, you're doing my head in. Like, why are you doing my head in? And it's like, I think it's because I probably think in this kind of like, I'm, I'm looking at all these different like elements to this big picture. And, and it's probably just like, yeah, a bit too much. I mean, it sounds a bit mean, but I think like there's just something where she's, she says something and it's similar to what um, came up earlier when people just say things like, oh, well, it's common sense. Or sometimes people say things like, you know, why do you have to overthink everything? I think that's another real like enemy to systemic thinking. So yeah, I'm sure there's, there's other um, things which get in the way of us thinking systemically. And I guess, you know, running out of time. So I wanted to just kind of summarize what ground we've covered because it feels pretty dense. Um, so yeah, so we've kind of looked at systemic thinking and the language and looked at what a system is and the characteristics of systems um, and a couple of examples of systems. Um, I think we've looked at what the opposite to systemic thinking is. So remember the farmer, there's little cabbages. Um, trying to kind of like talk about some of the benefits of thinking systemically. Um, and I guess the last bit we were just talking about was um, you know, what gets in the way of us thinking systemically? And I think the educative, you know, the, the conditioning or the education element is a huge one. Um, I guess to end, I think it's really important to say that, you know, I never studied systems theory. You know, I think like it was something that I kind of, when I came across the term, when I understood people weren't saying systematic, they were saying systemic and decided to kind of like work out what was, you know, being talked about. I then realized that, that this, way of thinking was was describing something or describing a way of thinking that I was already doing yeah and I think like a lot of people are already thinking in, in this way and haven't realized that there's a term which describes it um, and if you're someone who you know in a way that if this is a new way of thinking a new perspective hopefully it's piqued your interest and hopefully uh, intrigued and kind of motivated to get the handout and read the handout and um look into it a bit more and you know it's such a massive topic so I think that we'll probably spend the next two or three podcasts looking at different aspects of systemic thinking so just before um, we we sign off I'm really curious you know we spent like an hour or so like getting you all to think about your thinking and zooming out and then zooming out and then zooming out how are your brains feeling well I'm gonna go and lie down um in a darkened room for a bit and not think about anything not think about thinking Hot bath. Mm. Yeah. Mind warping. Yeah, it's definitely nap time, I think. 
Thanks, Bob. You're welcome. Yeah, always happy to fry brains. Yeah, brilliant. Um, although I should say, Thanks like, I fry your whole beings, not just your brain. It's very linear. <laughs> <laughs> Geeky joke. All right, listen, thank you. Um, see you all next time for more of, of uh, more of an exploration of awesome. thinking. Thank you. Bye.